When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Good afternoon. It's on the mark. Great to have you with us as we debate the NBA to start. we got six topics, six outstanding topics. My name is Mark Carmen. You're Jake Valerius. I'm one of my least favorite people today, but I can't wait to be with you, you on the show. So let's start. Let's go here. Rockets, Warriors. This is the hubbub. 17 wins in a row for the Houston Rockets, but they can't beat the Golden State Warriors, right? Because they're the Golden State Warriors. By the way, the Warriors have won six in a row. Who is going to win in the playoffs? We And by the way, they should be playing in the NBA Finals. Right now, Adam Silver should do something, switch the leagues, so we'll see a Rockets-Warriors Finals. As much as I love seeing LeBron there, I think that really should be the Finals. But who do you got, Rockets-Warriors? Got to be the Warriors. I mean, huge credit to the Rockets for what they're doing right now. The 17-game win streak's absurd. Harden, CV3, super fun to watch, all that stuff. But... The Warriors are playing at, what, 75%, and they're a game behind this team that is everybody's raving about. They have a better offensive rating right now. Maybe the Edge Rockets, I think they have a better defensive rating, but defense tends to be the sort of thing that improves when you start trying, like when you get into the playoffs. I mean, we were having the same thing about the, the Cavs last year when they, you know, they dropped the one seed, and they crushed everyone in the playoffs. And Warriors are much better than that Cavs team. So. Well, well, let's talk about this backcourt. First, you, you got, let, let's, let's try to make a case for the Rockets. I'm going to try to make a case for them. you got Chris Paul and you've got James Harden. They're averaging 17 assists combined a game. That is some historic stuff. It's better than Steph. It's better than Clay as far as dishing out the basketball. You also have James Harden, who's probably going to win the MVP this year, right? I mean, I, I think he's the strongest candidate. LeBron's ridiculous. I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone, but it looks like Harden is going to be your MVP. Okay, you also got James Harden. A lot of confidence coming out of the, the mouth of James Harden. This is the year. So there's um, the point being that you do have to have belief. The Rockets seem to believe in themselves. Clint Capella's having a career year. Why? Because James Harden and Chris Paul are making it super easy for him. He's shooting 65%. I mean, and they also, by the way, have beaten Golden State two out of three times. I mean, those, uh, we're, I'm starting to build a case here now. 
I, yeah, I do. I think the Rockets deserve huge credit. The fact this is even a conversation right now is something that I did not expect to be the case at the beginning of the season. I thought Golden State were going to run away with it in the regular season, easy one seed, cruise into the finals. This is a real a real matchup, a matchup worth discussing now. But again, you know, I know it's not fun to keep coming back to the same point, but the Golden State we're looking at right now, to me, is a shadow of the team we're going to see once the playoffs start. Eric Gordon, love him off the bench, right? He's, he's caused problems for Golden State. When I mean, they th- these, are, these guys are knockdown shooters. They've caused problems again, but they've caused problems in the regular season. Steph is back at his MVP caliber level. I think Harden deserves to win, like you said, but Steph is back to his best. Durant is Durant. He is the best individual player on either team, in my opinion. Clay, ridiculous defense, the best shooter, spot-up shooter on either team who isn't sort of a heavy ball-handling type guy. Draymond Green, probably the best defender on either team with respect to Clint Capella, and they've done it. They've been there. They've done that. Of course the Rockets are confident. How can you not be confident? But they're not better. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily mind hearing out of Houston, look, we're going up against a Golden State Warriors team that really no one thinks can be beaten. And that's what we're trying to do. So we're, we are the underdog. I don't care if Can we. Have, you, but, but the reaction when any anytime any like MVP type candidate says that is, oh, this guy's pathetic. He doesn't think he's better, which is dumb. But that's the way it is. Yeah. So you know if they have to say and, we believe in ourselves. We think we have a chance. And, and forget about the words. Just I think uh, on the court, it's going to be Golden State is going to have a tough time stopping Houston. Nobody stops the Rockets. I mean, they're so they're going to have to outscore them. Now, most likely they will. But you know, Harden's having his best season defensively too. If, if at least he he certainly is trying. The eye test. If you look at it, like okay. You're actually playing defense, and numbers-wise, he's got the most steals he's ever had in his career. So those, I mean... There's been a huge uptick, for sure. But, you know, when you have offensive players as good as the Warriors do, same case with the Rockets. It's not really about stopping them. It's about trying to limit them as much as you can. And seeing Steph run hard around the pick-and-roll, I'm taking Steph every time. Before we move on to our our next topic, uh, I... Do you know how many losses Houston has against the Western Conference? Like two or something? Against the West, they've got eight. <laughs> Golden eight. State's got 11. Okay. It's three less. Eight. Again, but you just, know, just the Rockets worth, are at full steam, 100%. Warriors, I don't think, are. All right, let's move on to topic two or topic two as we go to number two. Who is the most dangerous team in the West outside of Houston and Golden State? Because you got everybody bunched up, three through ten, really. And I'll give you the f- the floor first here, Jake. Who do, you, who do you look at as the most dangerous team in the West? I can't wait for what I think you're going to say. This is more kind of with the playoffs in mind, but I think the Timberwolves just about with Jimmy Butler coming back in time for the playoffs. They were more or less the third seed before Butler went down. Obviously, there's been some difficulty since he's gone, but I think with him back, they reemerge as the third best team in that conference. You know, I'd love to see the Spurs get Kawhi back, and I think in that case they immediately jump up just because they're the Spurs and Popovich is a genius, and that's what the Spurs do. But I don't think that's going to happen, or at least I think it's doubtful that's going to happen. We know Jimmy's going to be back for the playoffs. We know what the Wolves look like with Jimmy on the floor, and I think of all the teams, they're probably the best. So you you believe, by the way, you didn't mention that the Timberwolves signed Derrick Rose today. I don't want to talk about that because it's offensive to me. I, I, I think it's great that the Timberwolves signed Derrick Rose. I'm really happy that he's reuniting, and I've got another trade from Minnesota, which is Gorgie Dang heading on out, and then I got to trade uh, Jeff Teague as well, and you send those to New York and L.A. respectively. It doesn't really matter which one, and then you bring back 
the great Joakim Noah and Lou Aldang, and you've really created the Bulls again. Then I think what Taj. you could do to, to top it off, you could trade the Target Center in Minneapolis for the United Center in Chicago and the jerseys and just switch the whole franchise. Why not? I Save think, yourself I, I, the trouble. I, I think it's great. This I, is terrible, and I hate it, well, and I don't want to talk about Derek well, Let me just, my, your, your, The big flaw, though, in your theory is, is Jimmy going to come back and be Jimmy. I think that's a that, to and me, is a concern. Sort, but think of the type of player Jimmy Butler is. This relentless, competitive guy. Any setback, he's going to fight through it. He's going to play through it. And, you know, obviously there's a doubt. Anytime there's a doubt, especially a knee injury, raises questions. But... Just the sort of character he is, I would always back Jimmy Butler to respond well to this sort of setback. I've also not have and liked their chemistry all year long. I think they've relied too much on Jimmy. I'm not saying that's why he got hurt, but the way they play, it's like Jimmy's ball stopper, and I. They're I, a flawed I, team. I, I they're I, a flawed team. I, I, I don't like it, but I now, still think they're the third best. So, in the so, so let me get my answer to the question here. When the question is most dangerous team in the West outside of. Houston and Golden State. I am going with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're in the, they're the seven seed right now, but they're only three losses back of the three seed. So they're all jumbled together. So we can throw out, you know, where they're sitting right now. You have Russell Westbrook. You have Paul George, I do believe, in stars. So there's that. Let me give you some stats. Paul George, this year, what does he lead the lead in? Deflection. Still getting his hands on the most balls of anybody. So you, you got that Spider-Man. Come playoff time, that's got to be a factor when you're matching up. I thought up. you were going to come with something better than deflection. I, I, like I like a good deflection. I'm looking for something here. How about I also like 50-50 balls. Who's got the best, who's got the best 50-50 ball stat in the, in the league right now? I'm looking for hustle plays. Like for me, the Thunder, I know you're going to score. I know that I know Russell's going to score. I know Joe Paul's going to score. The reason why I'm bringing this up is they have to do more than that. 50-50 balls. Russell Westbrook, number one in the NBA in 50-50 balls. Russell. So there's that. And Carmelo, for the just one time, do something in the NBA. Just, I'm, <laughs> just, just one time, give me a clutch performance in the playoffs. Like, I just look at the talent on Oklahoma City. I look at the talent of everybody else, three through ten. And if, it, if there's going to be a stunner, I have to – I'm sticking with the Thunder. Which I mean, I guess they – to give you to give you your due, I think they do maybe have a higher ceiling – just because Russ and um, Paul George are absurdly good. And when it clicks for those guys, it's something special. But maybe a little underappreciated losing Roberson to that injury has that hurt their defense. But they did just sign Corey Brewer, which I think will help them. I mean, it's not the same, but they have tried to address that. And you're absolutely right about it. Roberson's been a big piece. They, they went 2-5 and five in the first seven games since he went down. And, you know, eye test-wise, you just look at them like they don't, they don't look the same defensively. They don't look as connected. So, but I, but I'm hoping that Corey Brewer will make that difference. Yeah, which you can't. I mean, they're not going to get Andre Roberson back. All right, let, let's move on uh, to LeBron James and and the King and uh, just another ridiculous performance last night in in Denver, hitting some shots that I've never seen him hit myself. But so uh, the question is: is and LeBron's calling this the best season, the best that he's ever played in his 15 years in the league. Is LeBron at his best right now, year 15? Is this the best LeBron James? No. It, his season has been absurd, and it's ridiculous that his 15th season is even in the discussion of the best seasons of his career. So, you know, props to LeBron. This guy is absurd, and I love watching him. But I think tw I was looking back over his career, 2012-2013 in Miami, shot 40% from deep, was, you know, close to a triple-double. 
was way high 50s in shooting percentage. Younger, little faster. You were just a little more confident that the body was going to hold up when the going got really tough. To be fair, better team around him, more functional team around him. And I do sort of enjoy watching this more sort of cerebral playmaking version. But just in terms of who do I have in one series to build my team around, I'd take that 2013, 2012 version. So I, I, I like to go on a... I'm going to give you the, the macro and the micro view. I want to start with the micro. The micro is the final three minutes last night in Denver where my biggest criticism of LeBron over time is that last three minutes of a game, give him the basketball, and he's better off setting somebody else up. And so, like, when, they, when you compare him to Michael or whoever, like, that to me is I, – I just – I've never really trusted that he's going to hit some ridiculous shot. Last night, he drove down the lane, knocked over Jokic, and hit a layup. Could have been an offensive foul, but, but it really was a block, and so it just trucked his way for a layup. That was a strong, ridiculous play that only LeBron James can do in the league right now. Then you throw – he's going left around a screen. He's not even balanced. He buries a three from three, point, three feet behind the line. Absurd shot. Then he starts all the way on the right side cuts across left fades away from 18 ridiculous tough shot by the way this was a close game all two it was you know they were up two in these possessions hits that shot and then after that he hits a falling away step back in the corner preposterous shot and for me like I've never seen LeBron do stuff like that consistently down the stretch where you know no matter what no matter how many guys they throw at him he's going to make the shot He's not going to give it to Kyrie. He's not going to. He's not going to be bailed out by Ray Allen in the corner to pull off a ridiculous win in the finals. He's going to do it himself, and he did it himself last night. And this season, there's been a ton of them where he's just. It's just been him. The win over the Timberwolves right before the trade, where he's scoring all the points down the stretch. So t- to me, this is the best LeBron. And you look at him stat wise. You go. You go macro view. He's never averaged nine assists in a season. He's doing it this year. It's the second most rebounds he's ever averaged in a year. He's at 8.4. His tops is 8.6. And he, averaged, he hasn't averaged 27 until the season you mentioned. So all his numbers are up too. And like the eye test, like these, yeah. these are ridiculous I, plays. I do think there's an element of he's sort of just at a point in his career where he's so good. He's like, oh, I'm going to try and, you know, raise my assist this season because right. that's how good I, that's how good I am. And I can do this. And I'm a completely absurdly godlike athlete, so I can do whatever I want. And that is cool. I love watching that. And I, I might prefer this version to earlier versions, but he's more the, comp- the, the Cavs record is not a ringing endorsement of his season. And I know he's been absurd on an individual level, but for a guy who prides himself on playmaking, the fact that he's allowed the team to slump, even if it was to force trades, even if it was to make the team better for the playoffs, the fact he's allowed that to happen is a mark against this LeBron season, in my opinion. That wasn't happening back in Miami, especially in those earlier years when he was still at his very best. And... You know, you talk about these late-game situations. Look, I did not look through every late-game situation in that 2012-13 span, but, look, he won games late. The idea that he didn't is a myth. Uh, uh, and on top of that, you don't need to win games late when you're up 20 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I listen, I, I'm not saying he didn't win them, but the, the, the shot-making is just... And I just think he's way more comfortable in his own skin. And I to, think that's true. And, I, I agree with that. And, and he's also... I mean, you're talking about the up-and-down season. I mean, they lost 5-7 of seven to start the year. Then they go and they win 18 yeah. of 19. And, I, you and, know, I think... is there? Here's a question. Is there any player in the NBA whose this current LeBron season would not be their best season ever? 
Is there any say that again? Is there any player in the NBA who their best season is better than the current season LeBron is having? No. No, absolutely not. I, 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 <laughs> That's pretty special. 100%. So, all right, let's move on here to uh, question four, and we're moving to the NCAA tournament, which is coming quick here, Selection Sunday, this coming Sunday. And it's the age-old question. Should small conferences receive an automatic bid? Should the Radfords of the world play in the NCAA tournament? When they're clearly not one of the top 68 teams, but is the romance of the conference tournament and having that team in there to get – most likely walloped as a 16 seed or 15 seed, 14 seed. Is that part of the NCAA tournament charm? Yes, absolutely. This is why we care. Like, let's be honest. Most people who watch the college, you know, NCAA tournament don't know anything about college basketball. They tune in for one month a year because these games are fun. There's the possibility of upsets. They can see guys they've never heard of try things. Like, sure, you may water down the quality of the tournament at the lower end of the spectrum. But the big powerhouse teams who actually have a shot of winning, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas, they're all in the tournament. It's not like you're going to give a a tournament spot to some crappy team, they're going to lose, and they took the spot of a team that were going to win it. I just don't buy that. Who's the number one team you like to see lose in the tournament? I mean, I have a lot. Give me Duke. Give me Kentucky. Who do you like to see lose? Give me. Yeah, I mean, okay. the, the usual suspects. So, but here's like the problem for me. Like, when I watch, if, if Duke plays Mercer State, Mercer and, State, big time, right? Big time, you're, you're, big time program. You're, you're rooting for Mercer State. Yeah. But then the next game, I would rather root, like, it's more fun to root against Duke in the next game. Like, you miss them when they're gone. Like, it's, and then Mercer State's playing, like, Oklahoma, and I don't care. Oklahoma's playing Duke. I'm caring about the game because, I, because I'm rooting for the upset. So it's like a catch-22. I, I want the big teams in there because I like rooting. It, it, it makes the game more interesting for but, me. But which, if, I mean, if they switch it up and they, they guaranteed spots for these smaller colleges who win conferences, they win their crappy conference tournament, right, if the, if which the teams team in the, miss out? Right, the sixth team ca- in the Big Ten. Right. Does anybody care about that? I mean, I, so I would rather see the sixth team in the Big Ten, Nebraska or – Indiana or whoever, I'd rather see that team try to pull an upset and actually have a shot at it in theory versus some team out of. I picked. Here's my solution, by the way. I've got 16 small conferences where you couldn't name a team unless you looked it up. The America East, who plays in that? I have no idea. The American Athletic Conference, the Atlantic Sun, the Big Sky, the Big South, the Horizon <laughs> League. I, who knows? The Metro Atlantic. Athletic Conference, the MAAC, the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. You don't know who went to, who plays in these conferences unless you went to those schools. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just naming that no one cares about the Northeast Conference, the Patriot League, the Southern Conference, the Southern Conference, the Southwestern, the SWAC, the Southwestern Athletic Conference. So here's 16 conferences, right? I'm going to take the conference champion from all of them, and I'm going to have a Sweet 16 tournament, and I will take the... The two, the two teams that make it to the championship game in that 16-team tournament, rather than all those teams having their own conference tournaments, you'll have a 16-team conferences that people don't care about tournament, and the, the first two teams that made it to the championship game, they'll play that championship game, and they both get in. So just tournaments for everyone. 
Well, a, a we should go even lower. A, t- a tournament. You should find like a, sixteen more crappy conferences and get them to have let's, a tournament. Let's too. anoint the best team. More out of, games. Double yeah, the number of games in yeah. the season. Wouldn't you These be? These guys can do it. They got nothing better. Would to you do. be more interested in watching a, that, that line up all those conferences against each other or, or the teams in those? Conferences? I would not watch that tournament if you paid me. I think you would. I think well, if you paid me, sure. I, but I would not watch that tournament if you didn't pay me, but forget which about, is, not, well, which is well, what you are let, Let's do. take you out of the equation. Do you think more people would watch it? That, what I just created, a brilliant 16-team... But if, I mean, if what we care about is making the NCAA tournament as good as possible, yeah. making a completely unrelated separate tournament to add two teams doesn't seem worth well, but it. Yeah, but it whittles down instead of having 16 teams... That are got all no those ch- conferences going to sacrifice their conference tournament? Are they going agree, you know, to yeah. agree to that? To add what five games to their season, well, I don't buy it. I, I mean, mean, I listen. The logistically, I think it'd be very hard to get that done. <laughs> I would agree that's not going to happen. That's a great. That's a good starting point it, for a suggestion. But if, but if you gave me the two best teams out of that sixteen, I think you just created. So a you like schools from worse conferences as long as there's not too many of them. Right. Yeah, and just a not good nug with like seventeen thousand of them. Just two, two cute stories. Seventeen thousand. 16, 17, 18. I left off some conferences. Like there's like 18 conferences that I could that we could boil this down to. All right, here let's do a little baseball spring training topic number five, and the Houston Astros had an, just an incredible season last year, but no team, and they're the defending champions, but no team has repeated since the 98, 99, 2000 New York Yankees. So the question on the table is, will this be the year, and I was hoping it was last year with the Chicago Cubs, I thought they were going to do it, didn't work out, but uh, will this be the year that we'll finally get a repeat champion? Will the Astros repeat? No. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's so tough. Nobody repeats. Like you said, it's been, what, 18 years now since it's happened. MLB has got to be one of the hardest sports to predict especially in the playoffs weird things happen all the time the Astros nearly lost to the Yankees this year a Yankees team people thought weren't going to make the playoffs and then get to the ALCS and nearly beat you know a heavily favored team with home field advantage so who's going to beat the Astros what do you like in 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 the AL yeah I think the Indians could have a very good year. I think people don't – they disappointed in the playoffs last year, but their regular season was very, very good, and people are kind of sleeping on them. The Yankees have strengthened a ridiculous amount. That that yeah. lineup is frightening. The bullpen is frightening, and the starting rotation is very solid. Right, but you – okay. You didn't have Justin Verlander last year for the full season. You have him this year. Now he's a regression candidate. But, but the issue isn't the full season. It's the, it's the postseason. Okay, so – Plus well, he's old, as you uh, said. Okay, well then uh, – okay, you had Garrett Cole, who you're going to have in the postseason, which you didn't have last year, right? That, that's, that's an addition. You, your bullpen was atrocious last year. Uh, I would think Will Harris – Ken Giles will be better this season. You also have the experience of going through, so confidence, right? I feel like this happens every single year. We see the World Series champion, and we're like, oh, hey, they have you know the same players that they did last time. They're going to win, and then they never win. Uh, it's, it's, this was the same with the Cubs. Everybody looked at that Cubs team and were like, they kept everyone important. They've got some key players who are still young, growing, improving, and – you know, there was a time in that season where we didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Like it, things change so much. There's a target on your back to the defending champs that this Astros team, I think, I hope is going to be around contending for a long time, but 
if you're offering me Astros or the field, I'm going to take the field every time. Well, and, and logically, yes, but I, I really do think that this Houston team, with guys that have not hit free agency yet, uh, Jose Altuve is still, I would think, a highly motivated player. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa missed two months last year, and I know you're, you're, you're pointing out that come playoff time, but here's a guy that's a, you know I would think is going to win an MVP in his career. I mean, all these guys have a lot of upside left. Now, Yuri Gurriel is a guy that I don't think will perform quite to the same level, but I, th- I really think the Astros have as good of a chance as anything. And to the Cubs last year, that was like a 108-year thing. That was the first World Series for Houston, but the Cubs had so much attention on them. I mean, it was they were on every late-night talk show. It was just, it's, it's, it, to me, it's a little bit different, a little, little less. There was a lot of celebration for Houston, but not the same as Chicago, and I think that, that actually helps them. All right, last one. Let's go surprise team. Let's go the opposite end. There's always a surprise team in MLB who jumps up this year. Who, do you, who will be the surprise team of 2018 that gets into the playoffs like your Minnesota Twins did last year? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Mets. I see a team that last year was expected to do well, to be a playoff team, to possibly be a contender, and a team where every single thing that could have gone wrong went wrong. The season nosedived fast. Syndergaard was injured. Everybody else was injured. The whole thing was a mess, and it just went from bad to worse. Obviously, in New York, a lot of you know high-profile market. Things got pretty ugly, especially with the Yankees having a good year. Now everybody's kind of forgotten about them. Syndergaard's back, still got Jacob DeGrom, Cespedes is still a dangerous player, Adrian Gonzalez. You know, that is a looks to me like a good team. On top of that, they're in a bad division. They are. The Phillies and, um, and Braves are rebuilding teams. The Mariners are going to lose over 100 games. Probably they're a mess. Nationals obviously favorite for the division, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets sneak that wild card spot first or a second if the Phillies sign Jake Arrieta I like the Phillies as a surprise team somebody's got to sign Jake Arrieta you've got too much of an obsession with former Chicago players I, I do I, I have a Jake Arrieta crush I'm going with the uh my, I'm going the opposite uh coast and I'm going I'm going with the 64 win 98 loss San Francisco Giants of last year where everything you talk about things that's a lot wrong. of losses I mean they were horrendous Mark Melanson couldn't close out a little league game. He's got to have a bounce back year. Will Smith from the left side of that bullpen should be better. So I'll go there. Plus, in the tanking world that we live in, the San Francisco Giants actually went out and got veterans who can play. And Andrew McCutcheon, who I think has something left to prove and looks to me real good in that outfield, not playing center field. McCutcheon, I, I, I've always loved him. I'm going to think he has at least one good year left in the tank here in San Francisco, being around a lot of veterans wanting to prove himself. I would think he uh, would – I think a change of scenery works for him. And also, look, you, you brought on Evan Lagoria. Uh, I, I do like that trade. I mean, you just freed him out of miserable Tampa Bay where they were – you know, going south and souther. So those are two veterans in that lineup to a bounce back. I think Buster Posey has got something left in the tank as well, right? Madison Bumgarner, don't you have another good year? Brandon Crawford, come on. I mean, there's a lot of talent in San Francisco. Now, and you look at the Western Division, that's a little tough, bit that's, tough that, division. That's my problem. But let's and, go, and let's the go other, wild And the card. other thing is we're, we're looking at, cent, you know, NL Central as well. There's probably going to be one of those teams is going to be a wild card, you'd think. The Brewers have gone loco this offseason and completely retooled cubs are obviously super dangerous st louis is always a threat 
It's going to be a very, very crowded wildcard race. Milwaukee, sign Jake Arrieta. Do something smart. You pitch him against Chicago. You've gone, you, they went nuts, as you've mentioned. And you go out and get Christian Yelich. You went out and you got Lorenzo Cain. Get, you, get, you, pitching is a thing that you need. <laughs> He's sitting right there. One of them, uh, get Alex Cobb. I, or I, I don't do Lance. Pay for Jake Arrieta. Milwaukee, hello. All right. Those are the six topics from today. <laughs> On the mark, wrapping up here. Great job, Jake. It was a, it was a pleasure to be do with you. Do you still hate me? No, I actually feel more warmly towards you after Thanks. It was, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience. The show. <laughs> we're, we're with you every week normally on Wednesdays today we went on Thursday because I was out of town it's great to be with you today hope you enjoyed On The Mark For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.